0: Welcome to this Sunday's message from the King's Church, Mid-Sussex.
1: We're in the teaching series called Go Global. And um, we're looking at how we as a local church can participate in Jesus' great commission to go to the ends of the earth to make disciples of all nations. And a couple of weeks ago, William K. kicked off this teaching series brilliantly, looking at two churches in the book of Acts, Antioch and Jerusalem, and look at the model of how they took seriously Jesus' instruction to go and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then last week, I looked at God's big plan, from the first page of the Bible to the end, that all nations on the earth will be united in Christ Jesus. And hey, what a beautiful morning of worship, where in a small way, somehow we've tried to express some of that today. It's been awesome to worship together. Um, The question, I guess, is, So how then do we, as a local church, engage in this kind of global vision, this great commission to um, make Jesus famous in every nation on earth? How how do we get involved in that? And I want to talk today about what it means for us as a church to belong to an apostolic family. You, You may have heard that phrase, you may have heard me use that phrase, or others that we belong to an apostolic family or we want to engage in a global apostolic vision. But what do we actually mean by that phrase? It's kind of what I'm hoping to unpack over the next um, little while. Um, and, And to do that, We kind of need to lay a a foundation, like do some groundwork. So have your Bibles ready, have your apps ready, because we're going to be going to lots of different places today. So um, I'm looking for kind of smoke coming off pages, turning as we go through the Bible together. We need to do some groundwork on what we actually mean by the word apostle. What what does that actually mean biblically and for us today? Um, Actually, why don't you just take 60 seconds to chat to the person next to you and answer that question, what do you think an apostle is? And if you haven't got a clue, the answer, I haven't got the foggiest, is absolutely fine. But just 60 seconds, someone near you, what do you think an apostle is? Chat to one another. Awesome, I do see a couple of people on mobile phones. I hope you're not Googling the answer sure that's not the case. Um, well, let's look at it together. The word apostle is a Bible word. Of course it is. Thank you very much, Dominic. Um, but actually, it's used, it was used a lot in the Roman world in a whole wide range of contexts, actually. So in the Roman Empire, when the Roman Empire would conquer a new territory, they might send an emissary to that territory to instill the ways and the values of Rome in that new place. And that envoy would often be called an apostle. Um, It really means a sent one, an envoy. And so, yeah, in the Roman world, envoys would go, apostles would go um, to instill the values and ways of Rome into that new territory. But obviously, it's a Bible word as well. So turn with me, would you please, to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to start there. We're going to look at verses 11 to 13. Um, where we read that Jesus gives apostles to the church. So this is what we read in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 13. Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So these verses tell us that the risen and ascended Lord Jesus gives different leadership gifts to his church. And he does it in order to equip the church, so every member of every local church, for works of service. So that the church is built up, so the church becomes mature. So what we have here is Jesus. Jesus is so passionate about his church. I hope you know that. Jesus is so passionate about his church. He wants a vibrant, healthy, mature church on the earth. And in order to equip the church and church members, he gives leadership gifts in order to help build the church up. Pastors, those that care for local churches and teachers, those gifted to unpack the Bible and teach the word of God, and evangelists who are those that are gifted to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, and prophets who are those that hear from God to strengthen and encourage God's people. And all of these gifts exist not just to do the ministry, but to equip men and women and children in the church to do ministry. So an evangelist, for example, doesn't just proclaim the good news of Jesus themselves. An evangelist equips others to do the same thing so that the church is built up. But What about the apostle? I guess if you've been around church a little while, you may have kind of got a frame of reference for what a pastor does, or a teacher, or an evangelist, or even a prophet. But what about an apostle? You see, some parts of the church have held to the view that the gift of apostle is not for today, for our generation, for today's church. It's extinct. It's defunct. Um, There were 12 apostles, the original 12 disciples, and they established the foundations of the church that we build upon, um, but the role was unique to them and them only. So we don't need apostles today. Um, The 12 disciples, they were the original eyewitnesses of Jesus. They were eyewitnesses of his resurrection. That's what qualifies them as apostles. So a conclusion is drawn, therefore, that this particular gift is not needed today, But we don't actually make that same conclusion about the other gifts in Ephesians 4. We say we need pastors, teachers, and evangelists, and prophets. So why would we exclude apostles out of that list? So we're going to look a little bit at why we actually believe here at Kings that the gift of the apostle and apostolic ministry is still for the church today. Well, let's see what the Bible actually says. Let's turn to Hebrews 3, verse 1. We discover that the first and our greatest apostle, is Jesus himself. So it says this in Hebrews three verse one, therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and our high priest. Why is Jesus identified as an apostle? Well, he was an sent one, wasn't he? He was sent. He's like an envoy from the right hand of the father. He moved into the neighborhood. He came to earth. He was sent to bring in the kingdom of God. Through his death, his resurrection, his ascension, he brought in a new creation that we now, in him, can enjoy. He was the first sent one. He's the first and the greatest apostle. We read that in the Bible. Then we have the first 12 disciples. They're acknowledged as apostles. Often in the Bible, when we It makes reference to the 12 disciples that will use that term, the apostles. Like in Acts chapter 1, when they appoint Matthias to the 11 um, disciples after Jesus' ascension, they said that he was added to the apostles. So we have the first 12 disciples. They were also sent. Jesus said, I'm sending you into all the world to make disciples of all nations. As the Father sent me, I am now sending you. So we have the 12 but the question is then, did it stop there? Because that's like I said, some would argue that after the first 12, there's no others. The first 12 laid the foundations. So we need to actually do a bit of work, kind of dig into the Bible a bit and think, well, actually, is that the case or are there others? Well, clearly in the Bible, there's others who identify as apostles beyond those first 12. So the most obvious example is anyone shout out who they think it is? Paul. Paul. excellence Top marks. The apostle Paul. He wasn't one of the 12 disciples. His life was transformed on the road to Damascus when he encountered Jesus. He then became a preacher to the non-Jewish world, the Gentile world, and he identified as an apostle. So Romans 1 verse 1, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. A servant, first of all, it's really, really important that we get that, he's a servant, And called to be an apostle, set apart to preach the gospel where Christ is not known. So we have Paul, he wasn't one of the 12, yet he's called an apostle in the Bible. But actually, we read of others who are called apostles in the Bible. I'm not going to read all the references, but here's a list. If you want to, you can look at these later. There's Adronicus and Junius in Romans 16, there's Apollos in 1 Corinthians 4, Barnabas in Acts 14, James in Galatians 1, Silas in 1 Thessalonians 1, none of whom were part of the original 12, but biblically, in the Bible, they're referred to as apostles, or those that had apostolic ministry. So the Bible itself tells us there are more apostles than just the first 12 disciples. They're listed in the text itself. Are you with me so far? Give me a big yes. Yes. Good. So, I believe the weight of biblical evidence suggests that apostolic ministry is relevant and necessary for the health and maturity of churches in every single generation. That The gift of apostolic ministry, alongside pastors, teachers, evangelists, and prophets, equips local churches like ours to play our part in fulfilling the great commission to go to the ends of the earth with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, what is an apostle then? Um, And it's good to be clear on this, what an apostle is, and also what an apostle is not. Um, It's worth saying, apostle, the word is not a title. It's a role. It's also not referring to hierarchy either. I've been to places around the world where there are these big billboards advertising the ministry of apostle so-and-so. And it's used as a title, but the Bible doesn't use it in that way, as a title. Um, in fact, I've been to some places of, uh, in the world where the word apostle is actually seen as something very dangerous and corrupt because of the way it's been handled actually and misused in the church and is associated with things that the Bible doesn't associate it with at all. So it's not a title, it's not hierarchical, certainly it's not a gift that is elevated above any other's. Look how Paul describes the role of the apostle in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 9 to 13. He says this, "For it seems to me that God has put us apostles on display at the end of the procession, like those condemned to die in the arena. We'd be made a spectacle to the whole universe, to angels as well as to human beings. We are fools for Christ." But you are so wise in Christ. We're weak, but you are strong. You're honored, we're dishonored. To this very hour, we go hungry and thirsty, we're in rags. We are brutally treated, we're homeless. We work hard with our own hands. When we are cursed, we bless. When we're persecuted, we endure it. When we're slandered, we answer kindly. We have become the scum of the earth, the garbage of the world, right up to this moment." The end of the procession, on display, condemned to die, a spectacle, fools, brutally treated, persecuted, hungry, homeless, the scum of the earth, the garbage of the world. Put that on a billboard. Apostle, Kieran Dunn, scum of the earth. Sorry, I don't know why I picked that there wasn't directives in any way, Kieran, sorry. So biblical apostolic ministry is not about hierarchy, it's about servanthood. It's not about title, it's about role. And Paul certainly didn't view himself at like the top of a corporate pyramid. It's not that. Like all leadership gifts in the Bible, it's about service. Laying down your life for the sake of Jesus and his people. So let's quickly, it's going to be a whistle-stop tour, run through a number of things that I think as we look at the Bible, we see apostolic ministry fulfilling in the Bible. First thing is this, planting and establishing churches. We see apostles like Paul planting and establishing churches. Um, Throughout the book of Acts, we see this. Him and his traveling companions would go to a district, would tell people about Jesus, would teach good foundations, would establish a local church. For example, Corinth. We read about Corinth that in Acts 18, Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. As a result of that, a church began in Corinth, which is... What the letters of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians is about in the Bible, Paul writes into that church that he knows well, because he was there for 18 months, and he established and he taught that church. So the first thing that we see apostolic ministry do, I think biblically, is to help new churches get established, planting and establishing churches. Second thing I think we see apostolic ministry fulfill in the New Testament is laying good foundations in churches. Um, You know, don't you, the success of any building is in the foundations. If you're doing an extension, you've got to get the foundations right. If you're building a house, you've got to get the foundations right. When we did this building, we've got a steel portal frame on this building, and I can remember the depth of the holes that are dug at these columns for the steel portal frame to be concreted into because the success of longevity of a building is all about the depth of the foundations. An apostolic ministry lays good foundations in churches. And what I'm talking about there is good teaching, good doctrine, good principles, good values, so that the church may be healthy and may build. Again, let's look at what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 10, Paul described himself this way. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. And someone else is building it. I laid a foundation in the church. There's a team now leading the church that's building on it. But I was there laying the foundation. We had that as a church. I mean, in our history, Terry Virgo laid good foundations in our church. A desire for the Holy Spirit to be an authentically charismatic church. The centrality of the word of God to be a church that takes the Bible seriously. The centrality of the grace of God. These are foundations that were laid in our church that still sustain the health of our church today. So apostolic ministry lays good foundations in local churches so they are healthy. Thirdly, we see apostolic ministry in the New Testament appoint elders in churches. Again, let's look at the book of Acts. When a church is established by apostolic teams, foundations are laid, and then local leaders are in place, put in place. Paul and Barnabas, we read in Acts 14, appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. So seeing churches led by local teams that apostolic ministry is involved in appointing. It's one of the things I've had the joy of doing as I've served new ground churches, is um, spend time with churches and teams and individuals and establish teams. So I've done that in Seaford, and I've done that in Hiddender, and Knoxted. It's one of the things that I am involved in in other churches, is to try and help see teams established to lead local churches. Fourth thing, ongoing care for churches. So Paul's affection for the churches that he serves are incredibly clear as we read the Bible. Um, In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul says this, he he says, besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Just hear that as a a heart of someone, it's like, I carry a concern daily, the churches that I serve and have established and planted, I carry a concern for them, every day they're in my heart. I'm, I'm wondering how they're doing, I'm praying for them. When he um, writes to the church in Philippi, he he writes this in his greeting. God can testify how long I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. This isn't like a just a professional relationship. This is like, I love you guys. I've got a heart of affection for you guys as a church. Every day I long for you guys. To the church in Thessalonica, he describes his relationship with them like this. 1 Thessalonians 2. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom. Paul says to this church, we cared for you because we loved you and we're concerned for you. We shared our whole lives with you. This is not functional management. This is like deep relationship and care and lives shared together. He, he speaks of his relationship with them in like a parental role. Like a nursing mother, I cared for you. Like a father, I encouraged you. There's a care for churches that we see in this ministry. Number five, apostolic ministry carries a heart for justice and a care for the poor. Apostolic ministry ensures that this does not get lost in the busyness of church life or in local churches at all. It has to be central to apostolic ministry. In Galatians, Paul says this. He says, James and Cephas and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed we should go to the Gentiles, that's a non-Jewish world, and they to the circumcised, the Jewish world. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I've been eager to do all along. It's essential that any global vision has the poor at its heart. A commitment to remember the poor, an apostolic ministry must remember and prioritize that within movements of churches and families of churches. And finally, final thing I think I see in the Bible about apostolic ministry apostolic ministry wants to preach jesus where he's not known <laughs> wants to go wants to say they don't know yet they haven't heard yet we need to we need a church there someone needs to go there we need to let them know about the gospel of jesus christ they're sent ones remember sent to go to preach to expand to plant churches to establish churches to preach jesus listen to what paul says in romans 15 it's always been my ambition to preach the gospel where christ was not known the apostolic ministry should provoke us individually and as a local church to think about the gospel, about evangelism, about those that don't know Jesus. Whether that's someone on our street or whether that's someone on the other side of the world, apostolic ministry provokes mission. Encourage us to think outside of ourselves and to think beyond. To think about where Jesus is not yet worshipped. So I think we see these six things. I think they're going to come up on the screen actually. So I think... Apostolic ministry is about planting churches, laying foundations, appointing elders, care for churches, remembering the poor, and preaching Jesus where he is not known. I know it's a very quick whistle-stop tour, okay? Um, So, if all that is true, going back to my question right at the beginning of this message, what does it mean for us, therefore, to be part of an apostolic family of churches, what do we mean by that phrase? Well, it means that we are joined together with other churches who are served by the same apostolic team on mission together to see healthy churches established around the world to make Jesus famous. And there are multiple, hundreds, thousands of. Apostolic teams doing this around the world. We get to be part of a, one that's just a small part of that. But it's so important that we get caught up in something which is beyond us, with other churches with shared values, united vision, working together for a common purpose. You know, we don't believe that Christians should live out their faith as individuals. Right? We we don't believe in churchless Christianity. We believe that if you're if you're in Christ. You express that in community in a local church. And we also believe that about churches, not independent. We express our faith corporately as a church together with other churches so that we're not independent. We're part of something bigger than just ourselves. So we're part of New Grounds, which is part of the wider New Frontiers family. We're in a relationship with a bunch of churches in the UK and Europe and now South America and South Africa as well. Served by a team I get to serve on, joining church together in mission together. In a few weeks' time, we have the New Ground Leaders Conference here. That's like the family reunion. The family are getting together in our building, praise God. So there'll be leaders from... Holland, Netherlands, and France, and some coming from Portugal, some coming from South Africa, some coming from Brazil, to come to Burgess Hill for three days in November. Why are they getting on a plane, traveling thousands of miles for a few days in Burgess Hill in November? Because they're part of a family. and They want to connect. They want to be part of that. They want to engage. They want to feel they're part of something bigger than themselves. We get the joy of hosting that. Again, I would encourage you, don't miss out you can book into that come along enjoy it the theme is the holy spirit brilliant theme for us to spend some time thinking about maybe you can serve we need people to serve chat to joe our facilities manager loads of ways to get involved in that conference but this is the family getting together in burgess hill from all the nations that i've just mentioned what a privilege it is there's other ways we connect with this family Now, we've probably had like, I don't know, 40 or 50 members of King's do the New Ground Academy now, a two-year training program. Um, I don't know how many here. If you have done the academy, can you just put your hand up? People around the room have done that. That's awesome. crowd of people here that have done that. Thank you so much. Two-year training program is the way we seek to equip saints for works of service. But another way we can engage with this family of churches is by actively praying for and encouraging mission supporting and cheering on others who are doing stuff and wondering how we can get involved. And I'm going to show you a quick video that I recorded um, this week as an example of what this could look like. This is with a friend of mine called Jez. Jez leads Life Church in Seaford. I was there a couple of Sundays ago. I was preaching in the church. I've been there a number of times, getting to know the church, and I thought I'd ask Jez what they're up to. So have a look on the screen. This is a quick video. Hey, Jez. Good to see you. So, um, Jez, you are down in Seaford, Life Church Seaford, a place I've visited a few times, Um, been always so much fun to come to hang out with you guys. Just tell us a little bit about your story, who you are, how long have you been in Seaford, that kind of thing?
0: Yeah, great. Well, thank you, Jim. Um, We've loved uh, connecting with you and having you come down here to Seaford. This is our hall, our church meeting hall behind me. Um, So, yeah, I have been in Seaford for 11 years, moved over from King's Church Eastbourne as part of a multi-site. We planted the site, made it an autonomous local church changed the name and felt God lead us to buy this building here uh, which we've been in since 2019 just before the pandemic year um so that's what we've been doing I'm, I'm married I've got three kids and a dog um and that's that's my lot awesome stuff
1: and um I know that hall that you're in there the church like when I was with you a couple of weeks ago absolutely heaving full yeah, you know, you're running out of room, which is just so encouraging to see the grace of God on your church and your team and how you're leading so well. Um, and I know you guys um have got a vision not just to stay there, rammed into that hall, but to multiply. Um, so tell us a little bit about kind of what's in your heart for multiplication, especially for New Haven. Yeah, I mean, so
0: Seaford's a small town, 25,000 people, and a couple was about a year ago, I was Praying about the future of the church here, as you said, we're filling up this hall, um, wondering what do we do, um, how do we grow, what's God calling us to. And I I don't know about you, but I I love church as family. I love church as extended family. And I think if we're going to reach this nation, we've got to see a vision for reaching small towns unveiled and unrolled across our town. So we live in a town of 25,000, surrounded by some hamlets and smaller towns. New Haven's the next largest town to us, which is a town of 9,000 people. And about a year ago, I was praying this through. And as I was praying and reading some stuff about church planting, the Lord dropped a prophetic word through a friend into my WhatsApp and I opened it, listened to it. And it was confirming everything that was in my heart, really, about um, the prophetic word essentially saying it's time to go again. You know, you're an apostolic people, you like, We're, we've been sent by the risen Jesus to plant churches. Planting churches is an essential and vital way of ensuring that churches are healthy and people are reached. And so it's time, this prophetic word said, to go again. And the stuff that we've been praying about and in our hearts is from God. So we've then put that to the church, been praying that through. And for the past year, we've just been sitting on that, praying about that, um, inviting people to consider what that looks like for us. And so we would love over the coming years to see churches planted, um, extended family churches, about 150 people in different towns and hamlets across this part of Sussex. That's what we're living with at the moment. And we feel that our next step, the next natural step that we've got faith for, would be to plant in the town of New Haven, uh, which is the next one along, a town of 9,000 people, and a town where fewer than 100 people are in church on any given Sunday. And so we're quite animated about, about that and praying into that.
1: Wow, that's, that's amazing. Less than 100 people gathering in churches in the town at the moment, and you guys have got a vision. And um, I love that sense. Yeah, I mean, it's only been 11 years since you've been in Seaford, but already you're thinking, come on, we need to go, we need to multiply." Um, like i said, I've loved coming and hanging out with you guys. It's a great church, great team. Always enjoy being with you. And um, it's part of the joy in it of being part of a wider family, New Ground. And all around this area, there's New Ground Churches, Eastbourne, Hastings, us at East Grinstead, and Crawley and Oxted and Seven Oaks, all kind of within quite a close proximity of you guys in New Haven, really. Um, what would you say to us as a local church here in Mid-Sussex? I want us to be able to cheer you on, encourage you, support you with this vision of church planting into new haven but how can we help how can we as a local church come and support you guys yeah i mean you're absolutely right
0: we're part of a, a family of churches um, which is what gives me fresh faith as well that this is something that is within our reach because we're a small church for about 150 160 people ourselves and normally to plant churches we're familiar with large churches of multiple hundreds popping out a congregation of 50 in another town or something. Well, we have, we can't do that. We haven't got that luxury. So we're actually realizing God's called us to do something, but he's not called us to do it alone, and he's not called us alone to do it. He's called us to be part of this family of churches that we're a part of. So we're really just saying to every church in the new ground, pray about this, stir faith for this. Um, we've got friends at New Community Church in Sickup who've said that they've got individuals who feel God's put it on their heart to move to the town, to be part of a a core team starting this. So we're basically putting out this and pray for this. Um, You can go to the website, cfa.life slash newhaven, and you can sign up to receive updates about what we're doing, prayer meetings that are going on. We met a few weeks ago. We uh, gathered about 40 people to walk around the town, pray for it. Uh, But for you guys uh, in Burgess Hill, we'd love you to. Yes, pray for us. Maybe some of you are feeling called and stirred to go and plant. Come and join us. Come and move. Uh, I think those are the two main things for us at the moment. Pray about it, and is God giving you prophetic words to share with us, or is God put on your heart to be part of a church plant locally as well? Whatever that looks like, maybe just serving for a few months, um, maybe up in Roots and coming to, to move into the town itself. I don't know. Those are a few things. That's awesome,
1: Jess. That's so, so good. Well, listen, thank you for filling us in what's going on. We are cheering you on. We really want to do all that we can to be part of this really you're pioneering something we're part of the same family we want to be able to help and like I say maybe some people from Kings will end up joining you guys but God bless you mate catch up again soon cheers Bye. Cheers.
0: Kim, bye.
1: I just get so excited when I think like I wonder what part we could play in that I wonder how we could pray See a church not far away, New Haven. I wonder how we could give. I wonder how we could encourage as a church. I wonder if God might call some people here to go, to move. So yeah, yeah, less than 100 people in the town go to church on a Sunday. So what an opportunity, actually. And this is what I'm talking about. We're part of an apostolic family, a family of churches thinking, I wonder what we could do together. I wonder how we could take the message of Jesus further, and why do I think it's a really good example? Like Jesus says, go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the end of the earth. Well, this is like our Judea. This is our region that we're in. It's like this is something which is like in that circle, like East Sussex, the great frontier across the border. I wonder how we could get involved. This is, as I read the New Testament, this is what I get the sense of. Churches connected together through apostolic ministry, engaged in mission together to see Churches planted, Jesus made famous. There's our history, guys, as well. 45 years ago, we we began not as an independent church, but as something that was bigger, and originally in Sussex, now 90 nations around the world, thousands of churches, part of this global New Frontiers family. We're part of an apostolic family of churches, expressing that through new grounds, the bit of it that we're part of. Amazing things happening in the Netherlands, doors opening all over the Portuguese-speaking world. It's exciting to be part of. So how do we respond? Well, we start in prayer. We start in prayer. Because actually, it's got to start in our hearts. Actually, God do something in here that's beyond. No, the Apostle Paul often would finish his letters to churches by saying, remember to pray for me, that I may preach the gospel fearlessly. Like Ephesians 6, he says, pray also for me. Whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I'm an ambassador in chains. He's writing to the church in Ephesus, but he's saying, you know, one of the first things you can do is to pray that as I have opportunities to go, I'll be able to preach the gospel boldly. We want to pray for what we're part of. Maybe, I mean, things will happen where people will go and support church plants as ways we can pray in our prayer gatherings in ways we may be able to give to this. But I just wanted to lay a foundation for what we're a part of this morning. Apostolic ministry, serving churches to help Jesus be made famous to the ends of the earth. And because I think it all starts in prayer and it starts in our heart, I've actually asked in a moment, Matt's going to come and pray and lead us to pray that God would continue to stir us for beyond here. But I'd love us, why don't we stand actually in this moment? Um, Yeah, worship team, come on. Matt, why don't you come just... Matt, actually, one of the times I went down Seaford, Matt came with me, so he knows the church as well in the area. So, Matt, why don't you pray for them, for us, and then we'll worship. Thank you.
2: Yeah, Come, Holy Spirit, as we set our hearts before you in prayer. Jesus, thank you for those who have given their dreams and their earthly desires up to to set that aside, to to plant churches for for the kingdom and, and for you. Jesus, thank you for Jez and the team down in Seaford. Thank you that they're willing to put aside everything for you and for the kingdom come and Jesus, it's yeah. we ask for more of that. We ask that you would change our hearts. It's been a while since change has happened around here. And many of us are, are fairly comfortable in what we're doing. So Jesus, we say, Holy Spirit, come and change our hearts. Set a, set a desire in us that we might, we might want to do that too, and we might want to get involved in that. And so, Jesus, where you're speaking to individuals here about about church planting, that you would start to see that come to fruition and you start to really open up that conversation with people. We ask your blessing on on the Seaford church as they look to move into New Haven. We ask for wisdom and knowledge and a reliance on you, Jesus, that they may lay everything before you. And the the verse that came to mind, Zechariah 4, 6, regards this whole thing. Not by might and not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So Holy Spirit, would you go ahead of us? Would you lay those foundations? And would everything be through you and about you, Jesus, that in all things you would be glorified? Jesus, we ask that those churches would be filled with people that didn't know you before. Not people from other churches, but that that salvation would come to those towns. Jesus, you are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of our adoration. You are worthy of your church being built in mid-Sussex and to the end of the world. So Jesus, change us as a church and our outlook as well, that, that individually and corporately we might, we might be spurred on to see change and to do new things. I ask that you prepare us to lay down the things that we have on our hearts and take up the things that you have. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for
0: listening to this message from the King's Church, Mid-Sussex. To connect with us online, visit tkc.org.uk.
1: We hope you'll join us again soon.